0: Daniel, Chapter 7, Perek Zion. We are now going to begin the second portion of the Book of Daniel, the section which deals with his strange eschatological visions. Uh, Much ink has been spilled, and many pages have been written about the interpretation of these strange dreams of Daniel. We will try to adhere to the pshat and propose some possible interpretations, but please don't hold me to them because many people greater than me have tried and have not been successful either. Okay, Pasuk Aleph. Bishnat chada le Melech In the first year of Belshazzar, the king of Babylonia, Daniel chilem chaza. Daniel saw a dream, v'chez v'ibrashe al and had visions in his head upon his bed. Bedan chelma and then he wrote down his dream, Reish Milin Amar, and he told the major parts. First, we should point out that this chapter is out of place. It really happened before chapters 5 and 6, which occurred during the Persian uh, Empire, which had taken over the Babylonian Empire. But um, I think the reason that this was put here is because now we're going to have contiguous the dreams of Daniel. So, he has this he has this dream, which we're going to see in a couple of minutes, and he wrote it down immediately and then he also um, afterwards um, tried to write down like Rashed Prakim. he didn't tell people everything that he saw, but just in general what he had seen. So what did he see? and now we're going to see what his description was. <inaudible> Daniel Daniel, exclaimed, the amar and he said. Um, I saw in my vision that night, and behold, the four winds of heaven, were stirring up the great sea. So from all four directions, there seemed to have been something happening, some, some winds blowing from all corners of the earth and blowing over the, the great sea, which is probably the Mediterranean. So what happens? And this, by the way, does evoke a little bit of Sefer breshit, of the creation of the world where we have water and wind and things will be coming to life. Just also, as well, the dream of Paro, where cows are going to come up from the water and create a great upheaval in their wake. So what does Daniel see? Pasukim, slakan min And four immense beasts come up from the sea. shnain da min da. Each different from the other. So he sees four different great animals, which we're going to see when we get to the closer to the end of the parak, represent four different uh, four different kingdoms and each one is different from the other because each kingdom successively has a different character to it. We know, for example, that French is different than German, etc, etc. So what was the first Pasuk Dalit? Kadmiata The first one was like a lion. but it had eagle's wings. I was watching, Adimirtu gapa until its wings were plucked, when it aram, and it was removed from the earth, and it stood up on two feet like a man, Ulevav Enashi and it was given a human heart. So the first animal that comes out represents a, it looks like a lion, and it also had wings of an eagle. And we'll see shortly that that represents Babylonia, Babel, which combined the traits of a lion and an eagle. Your meow, for example, describes um, Babylon both as a lion and as an eagle. What's very interesting is that if you look at the Babylonian um, imagery, they depict the Babylonian lion, in fact, is a lion with wings. Okay, And the lion is the king of the beasts. The eagle could be described as the king of the of the birds. We know that the kings of Babel called themselves Melech Machaya, king of kings. So here we have this enormously kingly creature who, by the way, overpowered Yehuda, the tribe of Judah, which is also compared to to a lion, so he watches until its wings shed feathers, and then it stabilizes and becomes human-like. So it loses its feathers and can't fly, which would imply a lack of mobility. Possibly Nebuchadnezzar's temporary um, downfall when he was when he was like a beast of the field, and now it's lost. He's lost. All normal locomotion because it no longer has wings and it no longer has the four legs that we would expect of a seven of a of a lion, but rather two. And now he has the heart of a man. This phrase is kind of interesting. Does it mean less because now he's not courageous with the heart of a lion, or is it a redeeming factor because he is like a human being and he has greater intellect and greater um, spiritual superiority? But Let's see what happens after the lion. And behold, cheva achrei Tanina, a second beast comes up, Dimialedov that looks like a bear, vilistar and on one side, hakamat it was placed utlat il in bifuma, and it had three ribs in its mouth, bein shina, between its teeth. And this is what people were saying to it. "Kumi, get up! akhuli Besar sagi, eat a lot of flesh." So behold, a second animal similar to a bear rises, and it's set up on one side, and it has these three ribs. And people are saying, "Rise up and eat a lot of um, a lot of meat." This most commentaries compare to the Persians. The Persians are compared, in particular, in the Gemara, to uh, to bears less aggressive than a lion, um, it's it's a little more um, a little more placid in its way, and we know that Persia waited for a year, wasn't aggressive, it waited first and let Medea take over. Now, what do these three ribs represent? According to the Gemara and Kiddushin, they represent the Persian kings who will rule after Cyrus. Rashi, however, says that it represents three lands that are inconsistently held by Persia, and It could just be that it represents the ferocity of a bear, that it's walking around holding um, ribs of an animal in its mouth. And now, in addition to seeing, Danielle hears a voice which seems to be encouraging the bear to be even more aggressive and more cruel. Now, the bear doesn't have any wings. It doesn't have a heart. It doesn't have the legs of a man. It's not as expansionist, and it also um, is not crushed. It remains stable in the way it was, because we know that the Persians continued, even when the Greeks took over, the Persians still continued to have sovereignty in some parts of the world. The next animal, pasuke, Okay, and behold, and I was... Oh, sorry, that was the wrong pasuk. I beg your pardon, okay. Ba'atar, Pasuk Vav, and then, Dina Chaze HaVet, I was watching, Ba'aru, and behold, Achari Kinmar, then came another beast like a leopard, Vilagapinarba, and this one had four wings def of a bird alga on its back. The Arba Rashin lechevata. but this leopard like beast had four heads, and it was given great dominion. This is the strangest of the animals. It has it looks like a leopard, which most commentary agree represents Greece, and it had four wings. Josephus notes that the Successors to Alexander had were four. They were called the Diadochi, and the four heads could represent the split of the kingdom amongst the four wing amongst the four Diadochi, or it could be the four directions of the world in which the Greek Empire spread north, south, east, and west. Uh, the Malbim points out that it could be the four heads are Rome, Egypt, Israel, and Persia, which they had over, which they had dominated, and they were given total control, total dominion, it's interesting that Alexander the Great was frequently pictured together with a lion, with a, sorry, with a leopard, and I wonder if this comes from that. Ba'atar, okay, and then Pasuk Zayin, as I was watching in my night visions, Ve'aru Aru and behold, a fourth beast, this beast is very frightening, dechila, Exceedingly terrifying, the ematna, awesome, the takifa and very, very strong. Now he describes how scary this animal was. It had immense iron teeth, they were giant. It was eating and crumbling. And anything that was left over, it would trample with its feet. And it looked totally different from any of the beasts that had preceded it. The asarle, and it had ten horns. So this is a totally doesn't resemble anything that he had ever seen in his visions. He sees a very scary fourth animal. It has iron teeth. It eats and gr- and and grinds and tramples the leftovers. And it looks totally different than any other animal. Um, notice that he, this time he says again, The Midrash says this was on a second night. This didn't happen right away. So what does this creature represent? Um, interestingly, the Rav Sadia Gaon suggests that this was an elephant and Daniel had never seen an elephant, so he was overwhelmed by the sight of this. But this is a, a large creature that has teeth. Um, there are differences in opinion. Most opinions say this refers to either Rome and its successors, the Western world, or to Islam. That's what the Ibn Ezra says. Um, it's interesting that the, the uh, Barbanel points out that the teeth are stressed over here, and we know that the Roman form of government was the Senate where people tended to speak a lot. So the mouth is being stressed over here. Later on also we're going to see that this animal had um, brass nails on it as well. So the, this... this Animal is totally different from anything he's seen before, and it is and we can implot, take by implication that the empire is totally different from any one that has risen before. Let's move on to Pasukhet. havet, I was looking Bekarnaya in those ten horns. V'alu, v'alu, and behold, karen Acharai, another horn. Ze'ira, small, a small other horn, Silikat hen, it rises up amongst them. Utslat min karnaya kadamiata et akrara. And three of the previous horns were uprooted, min kadama, from before it. Ve'alu, alu a'nyan ke'enei anasha. And there were eyes like, eyes of a human being, bekarnada, on this horn and a mouth which spoke arrogant words. So as he's looking at the ten horns, he sees another small horn sprouting up, uprooting three of the horns, and then he notices that there's a mouth and eyes on this new horn. What does this new horn represent? Rav suggests that it represents another nation, another empire, which will join together with the Roman Empire to rule over Eretz Israel, and he says that is... Ishmael or that is um, the Arab empire or the Muslims, and he says that the three horns that were uprooted were the land of Israel, Egypt, and Africa, all of which was shared dominion between Christians and, um, and Muslims. Um, and it describes, I think, the leaders of these nations, the, the different possibilities. What does this horn represent? In addition to her of Sadia's theory, it could possibly be the successors of the Roman Empire, of the Roman emperors who wiped out any kind of memory of their predecessors. Um, it could be, it was, Rashi says this was Titus who destroyed the Beit HaMikdash because we we know that the Titus who destroyed the Beit, Beit HaMikdash spoke arrogantly against the power of God. The Rabag suggests that the ten horns were the ten pre-Christian Roman Empire, emperors, and then finally they were succeeded by a Christian emperor. The Abrabanel says, no, there were ten Roman emperors before the Hurban, and then th- this one represents the ones that come after the Hurban. So he's watching all this, and he says, Chaze HaVeit, I was watching... Adi kharvesan, remiv, as thrones were set up. V'atik yomin, and the Ancient of Days, yitev, sat down. kitlag, chivar, his garment was white as snow. Usa'are Sheikh Amar and his hair of his head was like clean wool. his throne was a... Dinur, his throne was of fiery flames, Gagaluhi, Nur, Dalik, and its wheels were blazing fire. He saw something very strange. He saw the Ancient of Days, which the Gemara identifies with Hashem. Ibn Ezra doesn't like that he saw God and suggests that maybe it was the angel Michael. And he sees this this entity dressed in snow white with pure clean-looking hair, sitting on a chair of flame that had wheels of of fire. Um, The Rashi suggests that this was the throne of justice, that Hashem is now going to sit down to judge the people. So we're going to see that he starts to really look deeper and deeper into what he sees. First, he saw the Atik Yomin sitting on a chair. Then he notices the color of his garments. Then he notices the color of his hair. Then he notices the makeup of the chair. And the makeup of the chair is indeed reminiscent of Yhaskel, who saw the the Merkava, the chariot of God. Um, Ibn Ezra, in his own rationalist fashion, suggests that they spark the the wheels were not made of fire; it's just they were sparking because they moved so fast. So, in any case, this is quite an awesome vision that he sees the the ancient of days seated on a throne, and there seem to be other thrones around him, which could very well be other angels um, it, who will constitute the court. We'll see in a moment. Nahar dinur naged, um, a fire, a stream of fire was. Coming out from before him. Vinafek min Kadumahi came out from before him. elef Alfin, 10,000 or a thousand thousand Yisham Shunei were serving him. Viribo rivrivan, and myriads of myriads Kadumahi yakumon, were standing before him. dinayitiv, the judgment was set, and the books were opened. So as this river of fire comes out from before the Atik Yomin, suddenly somebody, they're, suddenly they're sitting in justice and they're going to judge what is happening, what is going on in the world. So he continues, Pasuk Yut Aleph, I saw after this, I saw after this, Milaya Ravata Dikarnami Malayala, because of the sound of the arrogant words from the speaking horn, Chasehavat, I watched Adi Kitle Adi Kitlath until that beast was slain, Buhuvad Gishma and its body was destroyed, Vihavat liekta esap. Aisha, okay, and it was and it was consigned to a flame of fire. So this I, he sees from the sound, from what, from the from the arrogant words, he saw that this terrible animal was killed and his body was destroyed and burned. And once again, this could possibly be another vision. Previously, he dreamed of the justice of the court, and now he dreams of the sentence that happened. So there's a decree of death. Notice that all the other. Animals might have lost their kingship, but they were but they stayed alive, and this kingdom, however, is going to be destroyed. all the rest of the beasts, their dominion was taken away but they were giving an extension of their lives they continued to exist until a season or a time. The other nations were not totally eradicated; they continued to exist under other rulers, but this one is totally eradicated. Now this phrase of Zman v'idan is strange. It will appear again and again in the book of Daniel, and it's a phrase for a time, some kind of a time period. So that was the first vision that he had of the animals. It seems to be some kind of a vision about the succession of different, um, different empires, one consecutively following the other, and that ultimately there will be another empire, which will be terrible, and uh, that empire will be judged to complete and total eradication. Let's continue with another vision. Pasuk Yud-Gimel. Chazei I was watching in night visions. But Ve'aru and behold. Imanenei shemaya, with the clouds of heaven. Kibar enash atahava. Somebody who looked like a man came. Ve'ad atik maya mita, And he reached up to the atik min, the ancient of days. Vikadumohin. Hakrivuhu, and they brought that entity that looked like a man to the to the to closer to him. And this is really the introduction to the most important part of the dream: the fifth creature. and to that one that was like a man was given dominion, honor, and kingship. And all people, nations, and languages would serve him. alam. He will have an everlasting dominion that will never pass. And his kingship will never be destroyed. We're going to stop here and deal with the angel's interpretation tomorrow. Have a wonderful day.